with a smile. Hello and welcome back to the Rewind. I'm Josh, and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is our first throwback episode in a while since uh, way earlier in the pandemic when we started talking about old movies. We're talking about uh, Tim Burton's 1989 Batman, and I'm happy to be joined by I don't know if he wants the title. He can be Batman correspondent, he can be DC correspondent, but he's gonna probably be joining us to talk about a few more of these older Batman movies. It's uh, my friend Nick Menta. Nick, how's it going? I will gladly accept the title as long as you remember, Josh, that you are my number one guy. <laughs> oh, God, this is such a, uh, a ridiculous movie in some uh, in some very good ways. Uh, so I kind of had the idea. So if you're when you're listening to this, it's either because we are within a few weeks of Matt Reeves and Robert Pattinson's The Batman coming out. It's so funny how DC's, you know, just like not even trying with these titles. It's like we're just going to add an article to them now is how we're going to do it. Like The Suicide Squad, The Batman. I can't uh, think of uh, I can't think of anyone saying The Batman without thinking of Chilean Murphy and Batman Begins. Like he really nailed it. <laughs> like if there's any if any actors ever nailed two words together, it's Chilean Murphy saying The Batman. So about a, a little over a year ago, HBO Max launched and I don't I, at some point I talked to Nick about these movies then and because I, I was someone that had only really see, ever seen the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, and I'd never really seen any of the others, and I they're all Warner properties. So they were all in their library, and I, I'd kind of talked to Nick about doing these and uh, episodes on these because as as anyone that listens to the podcast knows, we went and we talked about a bunch of old movies last year because there was like a, a very a shortage of new ones to talk about. And it was a it was a you know, I, I had already had my own little project with Nick involving Christopher Nolan and I had other projects going on and I just I just never really got around to it and I, I, I just popped in last week and uh because i knew i wanted to watch him at some point before uh the batman comes out so uh and and nick raised the idea of doing this again and i figured well i got a lot there's a bunch of new movies coming out every weekend anyway but hey maybe we can do this if uh we have another shortage of movies at some point because unfortunately our our country hasn't totally gotten its act together with respect to this whole pandemic thing so we might end up having a little bit of a dry spell at some point uh and things could get pushed back again, so it might be nice to have some extra episodes in the can. And even if that doesn't happen, then I have like a little something to put out there about these Batman movies that I feel like people don't talk about as much because I know Nick knew them really well, so I thought it'd be interesting to kind of familiarize myself with them so I could come from a place of knowledge more when we talked about the Batman, which is going to be a big deal. Uh, but also they figured they might be fun because I knew they are very uh, they're they're a different kind of movie from what people think of when they think of the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, which are good in their own right. But you know this is a character with a with a large library of content that truly contains multitudes. Because last year uh, when I was talking to Nick about this, he 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 expressed an affinity for Batman's the 1966 Batman movie too. Yes, and that was the first one I watched and. I and I really enjoyed it. I mean, I knew it was obviously its own thing because they didn't make another uh, live action Batman movie for 23 years. Uh, but like, I I, I got it. I got a real kick out of that one. But it's still, even though it's obviously closer 
uh, it's obviously closer in tone to the 1989 one than it is to anything that came out in the 2000s. I, I, I figured like it's very distinctly its own thing. As I'm watching the 1989 one, Nick, which again I should note stars Michael Keaton as uh, the title character and uh, Jack Nicholson. But he does a, not have top billing, even though he's the title character. Yeah, which I mean is I, I guess that's what you I guess that's you got to make some concessions if you want Jack Nicholson in the 1980s to go do your like really weird movie about uh, really weird comic book movie, and that was probably one of them um uh, so yeah jack nicholson as the joker and uh kim basinger as vicky vale a photographer that is kind of there to report on batman and lives in a super dope apartment for a uh journalist and yes. uh, <laughs> man photojournalism in 1989 <laughs> and uh and yeah the, 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 those are i mean th- those are uh some of the uh the bigger people billy d williams there as uh commissioner gordon who I, honestly i don't really think is doing a good job at his job in this uh billy d. Williams is Harvey Dent. Oh, sorry, excuse me, Harvey Dent. Gordon's um, who's Gordon? Uh, isn't there Gordon in this movie Pat too? Hingle. Who? Uh, I believe the actor's name is Pat Hingle. Okay, I got him confused. Either way, uh, I don't think the law enforcement's really doing their job in this movie that well. It just seems like they kind of disappear in the second half. We've got three more movies to go. They get worse as time goes on. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, so basically, what I was wanting to start by asking you, Nick, is like. I, I wonder, as someone who I know, when I first met you is the summer that um, Dark Knight Returns came back, or Dark Knight Rises, it came out, excuse me. Uh, so I, I, I knew you were into those movies, and we'd obviously talk about them. We talked a lot about Christopher Nolan last year. I talked to you a little bit more about Batman 66 last year when that came out, and I, I could understand why someone would like has a good sense of humor would like those movies. And I hadn't really talked to you that much in detail about these like movies that came out between 1989 and the late 90s that much. I just knew that you had seen them and knew that you had some level of interest in them. But I'm wondering, because I, 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 from what I understand, this is better than a couple of the ones that come after it, right? Uh, and I'm wondering, because it's its own distinct thing, it's obviously not the Nolan stuff, and it's not that kind of humor I already mentioned in 1966. What about these movies just overall like appeals to you and makes it something that you've like wanted to revisit over and over again? Because it, it's obviously very distinct in certain ways from these other two eras of Batman. Yeah, and, and really these four movies, and it, uh, assuming we stick with the project here and you get through them, you'll realize that there's a really sharp departure between the two Burton films and the two Joel Schumacher films that have functionally nothing in common. So really mm. – You've got even more errors of Batman than you would think. You've got the Adam West stuff in the 60s that was obviously hilarious and campy and kind of divisive because if you go for that thing like I do, I love it. Other people think it's too much. Then you've got um, two Tim Burton films, the latter of which Batman Returns is hardly even a Batman picture so much as it is a Tim Burton picture with Batman characters in it. Um, That film is so sort of popularly rejected that he gets fired. And we reboot in an internal, a totally different aesthetic uh, with Joel Schumacher, different actors, different everything. So, so you've got a number of different sort of takes on the character. And I've, uh, that's one of my favorite things about Batman across any medium, uh, just how malleable all of these characters are. Mm. What I will say about these four films in specific, so starting with Batman 89 through Batman and Robin in 1997 – The Nolan films are the best Batman content that we have on live action, whereas two of these films, Batman and Batman Forever, um, are probably what I would say more my favorite kind of stuff. So I I would draw that distinction between what's clearly the best stuff, like in terms of just being really good, and then stuff that's near and dear to my heart. And that's where I would group, in particular, 89 and Batman Forever. 
And yeah, not that there's anything to do with this, but 66 as well. Yeah, I shouldn't put the I shouldn't have put them in a box like that because I knew that like Joel Schumacher is like a very different kind of um mm-hmm. a, a very different kind of filmmaker from Tim Burton. But like I I you know at least I I, I just figured like they obviously were you know all probably more similar to each other than they were to anything else that came before or after. And I, I the thing that I came away most impressed with because I again I liked 66 and I liked the Nolan movies, but the thing I came mm-hmm. away most impressed with here is like it, it was impressive in that like it showed that. These movies could be like both funny and uh, pretty gothic, pretty dark. Yeah, it, it yeah. contained it contained like both sides of the coin, and it's like it, it attempts to do both. Whereas there's you, you can count on one hand how many laughs there are in like every Christopher Nolan movie combined, and <laughs> and and Batman in '66 is going for a joke at every single like every other second. So I was like, okay, well this is kind of wild that like something like as like se- seemingly serious as like the last like. I don't know, 20 minutes of 1989 can exist in the same movie where like Jack Nicholson is playing the Joker and just like dancing to Prince songs. Like, yes, it's, it's, it, I, I like that the same movie can contain both of them and like still like work as a movie. I just, I almost, I, I respected that the idea of that more than like a lot of the individual parts of the movie itself, if that makes sense. I, I appreciated what it's going for because it, it did it. And it didn't, it didn't fail. Like, I don't know if I love everything about the movie, but I was like, wow, it's really cool that it can like contain all of this different content there's nothing really comparable to this anymore like i long for the days when like studios it's weird to say i long for it it's not like i'm over here pining for a simpler time or anything Mm -hmm. but just like imagine a time when you get a blockbuster film and this was like the craze of of the summer of 1989 uh the build-up to this was unbelievable but you have jack nicholson you have batman and then you have prince and it's all (laughs) just one thing Um, i don't feel like that's uh, i mean Sure, you get artists who, like, contribute to soundtracks now, but, like, Prince is very prominent in this film, despite not being in it. Like, the music of Prince shows up at least on three separate occasions that I can think of. Um, and yeah. he got his own, like, version of the soundtrack, including, a like, a track on this film called Bat Dance, which is, like, seven minutes and just has sound effects in it. It's just absolutely horrible, but if you – I mean, I love it, but – um, it's just such a weird property that like kind of doesn't exist anymore. Picture like the hype around 2008 and the dark night. And that's kind of what was going on back in 1989, except, um, it was even more singular because like culture hadn't fragmented yet. Yeah. I God, Yeah. I, I honestly can't think of anything, um, comparable to like an artist just like putting its stamp on a movie with like a, like a, like a movie star of that caliber doing something that weird. Like you're, you're right. I mean, we, we, we get, prestigious movie character actors like dipping into like this kind of stuff but you know like i mean like walking phoenix doing joker like we don't like that movie but like that was that was like a that was a thing to like have mm-hmm. a guy like that that's like just known for doing regular prestigious fare like i i'd say that almost is kind of like the like closest thing you're gonna get to like jack nicholson doing a batman movie these days but i mean it's just like he except that jack nicholson decided i'm gonna like I want to be like the broadest, most goofy thing I can do. And whereas like walking Phoenix went in the other direction, but as far as like making a choice to like come into comic book fair, I suppose that's something, but like, I can't think of anything like, like this combination of stuff you just described. Well, you also have to remember that this is kind of coming on the heels of the Christopher Reeves Superman movies. So Superman, Mm -hmm. the movie comes out in 1978 and like Christopher Reeve is not the kind of name that you're talking about in terms of a, a Jack Nicholson, but like, Marlon Brando is in that picture. Gene Hackman is in that picture. So, like, there were very serious people doing work like this, except 
now in an age where we have how many what like 100 marvel movies and however many dc movies have come out like in in 1989 like superman really is kind of the only parallel for this so i think this film probably has more to do with that than it has to do with any batman content that's come before it um at least in live action that's a good point I guess I guess my next question then is like I mean it seems like it's part of what you like about it is part of what I like about it and then it it goes for all these things but I the other thing I found myself thinking about as I'm watching it aside from the fact that like it it, it does contain multitudes in that way is that I, I was trying to think about like what what and I guess because I haven't seen those the subsequent actors that played Batman up before, before Bale came in was it like what makes a like what makes a good Batman versus what makes a good Bruce Wayne is a thing that gets talked about a lot. Yeah. And the thing that I was thinking as I was watching this was like I don't know if I have strong opinions on what makes a good Batman. It seems like a lot of them go for a similar voice and they're there mm-hmm. and it's whatever. So I, I find it more interesting like what different people's takes are on Bruce Wayne and it's like very strange. It's very idiosyncratic. Yeah, but and it's like very strange to even think about what like Robert Pattinson's is going to be. Um, yeah. but like but like I I was just like. I, I I I dug it again. I, I at this point I really only have Adam West and um and Bale to compare Bale. it to. I, I I mean not that like I didn't like Bale's because this is a movie going for a different tone, but like I was like oh I kind of like the vibe this one's giving off because like I mean at this point we weren't like we weren't like sick of like watching. I mean when people first saw this they weren't sick of watching you know Thomas and Martha can't get murdered <laughs> as, as as people kind of are at this point. So it didn't bother me when that comes up in this. It's like all right I get it like that was something that was like not as like played out at that point. So mm-hmm. fine show it or whatever. So it's like okay well they want to kind of show how this guy is like still affected by that. So it was kind of funny that it like like you said it, it's like this idiosyncratic version of him that like you know is like uh a little lighter on his feet and in in demeanor for like a lot of it than any, than you see bail at like any point in those movies. It's again, it's, it's not what, I mean, so I, I I like that. He's kind of, he's kind of neurotic. He's kind of anxious. He's like a little bit squirrely, um, kind of on edge, but like still charming in a, in a way that like, I don't know if bail fully ever gets to be in those movies. Not to get too off topic because we're, we're on 89. Yeah. The thing that I always loved about Bale's Bruce Wayne, because like Mm -hmm. he's Batman. I find a little grading in different spots, particularly as we get to the end of that series. But like the best thing about his Bruce Wayne is that he's basically playing like Patrick Bateman. Like he's basically <laughs> playing three roles. He's playing Bruce Wayne as Bruce Wayne actually exists. He's playing Batman. And then he's playing like the public facing persona of Bruce Wayne. So like right. he gets drunk and goes to the party and has to be an asshole. Like that's my favorite part. of Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. It's, it's that third sort of like half Patrick Bateman dynamic to it. But for, for Keaton to bring it back, um, Keaton's not like classically handsome in a way, which is like, okay, you think of Bruce Wayne, like there's, there's an archetype to it. And Michael Keaton is sort of cast against archetype. And like, if you go back and read sort of like the internet's not around, so you got to go read like weird fan mag, um, (laughs) like comic book and like movie magazines from the 1980s. Like, I think the reaction to like casting Michael Keaton in this role is a little weird. Cause like the guy's Mr. Mom, right? And like, he's got, he's worked with Tim Burton before. Cause I think they, uh, I believe Beetlejuice predated this, but like Keaton is not exactly who you would think of for a Batman. Um, mm. But he really, it really works in the suit. And then when he's outside it, when he's Bruce Wayne, it's particularly like, like anxiety ridden and just like idiosyncratic. It's like, it's almost humorous in a way. Yeah. He, I mean, I don't know. It, it seems like, I like the way that it, like he was kind of 
uh, on edge and seemed like he often had stuff on his mind. Like you could kind of tell that like, yeah, maybe there was something going on there where he's thinking of like thinking of his family, trying to get like figure out like how he's going to deal with those demons and possibly be able to excise them here. Uh, but at the same time, like he, there's obviously moments where Vicky's like frustrated with him because she doesn't really understand what the full picture is with him. But like it didn't totally bother me, like the romance subplot as much as it probably should have when you're like trying to tell me characters are in love and they've spent like five minutes together. That's just like a pet peeve Alfred's of mine in movies. Letner in the back cave. Yeah, yeah. Alfred's like Alfred really like Al, Alfred, Alfred really uh um Alfred really just went rogue in this one. Um, but I I I was like you know I I I was charmed enough by Keaton that it just didn't bother me that like she was that into him even if it sometimes does kind of bother me when like characters just like fall in love when they've had like three scenes together and I guess I just found him like interesting enough and as as Bruce Wayne that I was like okay this this version of you is like kind of kind of charming enough that i'm like i'm into it and i'll i'll go along for the ride uh so i don't know that's how i was kind of curious to like get your take on him i mean obviously i i i probably have more joker thoughts than i have batman thoughts but i I, that's that's what i do want to ask you about yeah so you've now seen you've seen cesar romero we'll start there (laughs) you've seen heath ledger which won an award obviously which is really considered you know the the standard bearer for this mm-hmm. um we we've all seen jared leto let's not talk about it um mm-hmm. and then walking phoenix again Oof. another award-winning performance despite you and i both um, aggressively disliking that film so you've got a lot to work with here what do you get out of jack because the thing i love most about this performance is how much jack nicholson is strictly playing jack nicholson Like, there's so much of him in there. Like, I can't look at him in this film without knowing I'm watching Jack Nicholson. And typically that's like a negative, right? When you when you look at an actor and you go, oh, I kind of can't divorce what I'm seeing from the actor who's playing it. That tends to be negative. In this case, I can never divorce Jack from this role. And it's to me, it's overwhelmingly a positive. I love it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, obviously, when it's like an actor like that that famous and like and at the same time like the makeup is just like at a different i mean i don't think it's a bad makeup job it's i, I think it's in the, whatever effect they used to like i what it caught me off guard that you even see his face without the makeup like i didn't realize like when he's when he's painting yeah i don't yeah, think I, he's doing the reverse painting he's basically giving himself like accurate skin tone over the white yeah and i don't think i understood the canon that like like that that like or i guess that's not even what it is in like yeah, it's not what it is in uh, the other ones where it's like an actual permanent disfigurement of the face. Like that's not it's, correct. That might be, so his, his skin is actually dyed white. It's, it's much more the comic book version of the character. His skin is now white because of the chemical bath. His hair is now green. And so in the scenes after the chemical bath where he's he just looks like Jack Nicholson, that's really supposed to be him painting skin on his face because right. it's now white. Yeah, I guess I forgot until now that the uh, the Ledger one, like he had scars or whatever, uh, mm-hmm. but like it wasn't like his face was like stuck or something like that. Like right, this like, is like, like the permanent rictus grid that they give him. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I I didn't I wasn't totally like prepared for that, and to see that without the makeup was like kind of disorienting. But the fact is that they show him without makeup is like he doesn't like he still looks like Jack Nicholson kind of. I guess is what I'm saying. Whereas like 
Whereas like Heath Ledger was like kind of transformed in a different way, I would say. If you've seen other like Heath Ledger stuff, it's harder to like see to see Heath Ledger in the way you can see Jack. He's wearing more facial prosthetics in that too. Oh really? Okay, that's probably. I guess that's part of it too. So, th- and I guess that still goes to your point in that like because you're not they're not putting those kind of prosthetics on. I'm like you can't not think about that it's Jack. And mm-hmm. I guess twofold, it's fine because. I one like I said at the at the, at the very beginning like I I I'm just getting such a kick out of like watching him as Jack like just knowing that Jack Nicholson is doing this and if you go look at Jack Nicholson's filmography for the 20 years before that it's like oh my god like how is like I can't believe this guy made this choice so I, I I'm enjoying it on that level but at the same time like I think it's actually like, a good performance in that like he gets to be like crazy goofy like we already talked about with respect to him dancing to prince when he enters the art museum or when he's uh when he's in that parade and i'm like i I get a lot of that out of those moments but he's like legitimately menacing at other times and uh, along with that and that and so it's like kind of weird in that like this movie is very different from the nolan stuff and like i mean it's not as outright goofy though i mean i think maybe some of the ledger stuff is played for laughs a little bit I, i i mean I don't know if it's laughs, but that character has like just a, 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 a obviously a different disposition than just about everyone else in the movie is what I would say. Yes. And so it's like he 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 is he is amused if no one else in the movie is ever amused is I guess the better way to put it than um, him being a laugh out loud funny um, and goofy. And right. he's his performance is really layered and there's humor in there and it's really dark humor, whereas Jack is like literally chewing the scenery like he's just going over to set pieces and gnawing on them. Yeah, and, I, and that's that's what jumped out to me when I kind of watched a part of it again today. It was like, oh yeah, like some of this stuff is actually like fairly like even if he's still like, he's still cracking jokes in the final scene when they're in that bell tower. But at the same time, like uh, I mean, he's still like kind of scary at a couple points, and especially scary in that art museum scene the first time he approaches Vicky. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, so it's like in that. So I guess that's the better example in that like. Just, it's just such a weird like two minutes where you follow him around as he dances and and like uh, vandalizes the place. And then all of a sudden it's like just like he, every time he's like in her presence because he's such a menacing figure and she's um in and obviously like could do great harm to her. It's like you're just like kind of blown off your seat. And I, I I'm for, I'm, I've, now now I feel like I rambled. I forgot what your initial question was, but I'm, I guess to, to, to give that long answer to you, it's just like I was super impressed because, yes, I recognize it was Jack throughout. But I think. I, that like again that worked for me on two levels one in that like <laughs> i was amazed by the choice and two that like because i'm remembering it's jack i think that i think just because it's jack if it was just some regular like guy that looked like if it was just some regular guy that like had this that kind of looked like that kind of looked like jack on Nick, Nick, nicholson on the surface uh maybe that doesn't do it as much for me but because i think it just grounds it more because you know you're watching like someone that like takes the craft seriously so it's like i think it's easier to then kind of buy it when it snaps back into those more serious moments it's so weird that like so again, this is a guy who doesn't really have anything to work with. He has comic book source material and he has what Cesar Romero did. But for for most people, like he's starting this from scratch. He's creating this in a way where he goes, okay, I'm taking what's on the paper, but I'm really making it mine because I'm Jack Nicholson. I got top billing. I can do whatever I want. The mania he plays this character with, because I, I, manic is the word I would use for it. Because you're saying like, yes, he's nailing the goofiness and the silliness and being as weird as he wants to be, but he's also a homicidal maniac. Um, and he strikes that balance in a really compelling, frankly charming way. And that's the funny thing about the character. That's the thing that's endearing about the character, and that's why it works. And this is the thing that I thought Joaquin Phoenix and Todd Phillips really friggin' missed. 
no part of that character is whatever you want to do. If you want to laud Joaquin Phoenix's acting, fine. No part of that character is enjoyable. That's not a fun film to watch. You're supposed to hate how much you like the Joker because he's a homicidal maniac. Right. He's a horrible person, but he's supposed to be charming and you're supposed to laugh and you're supposed to hate how much you end up laughing at him. Like he has a line in this movie that I use all the time. And this is an insight into, I guess, my warped sense of humor. <laughs> where he walks up to the mob boss and just goes, you really were a bastard. I'm glad you're dead. And then just cackles his ass off with, I'm glad you're dead. Um, it's like that works. And that's the character in a nutshell. Somebody who can look at somebody who can look at a corpse, a smoking corpse, shake its hand, say, I'm glad you're dead. And then walk off cackling. And he's not just laughing at the fact that the guy's dead. He's laughing at the fact that he's like, he's actually entertained by how much he entertained himself. Cause he's still walking off. And goes, oh, I'm glad you're dead. It's a great line. Um, there's well, that and, kind of mania in there. Well, yeah. And for 2019 Joker, I mean, again, someone might try and like defend that missing that part of the character by saying it's an origin story, but there's not even any sign of like any no. signs of it in there of like how he might become that kind of person. You know, I think if Heath Ledger uh, like wobbling out of the hospital that's blowing up behind him or when he's threatening to, to let go of the grenades in his jacket and he's just, you know, tugging on the string, you're supposed to laugh. And, and there's none of that in this film, and there's a ton of it here. That's the hook of the character. And I think the other thing I want to ask you about mm -hmm. was, since we're, since we're talking about how big Jack goes with it, and we're talking about how sort of like odd Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne is, where do you stand on the, you want to get nuts, let's get nuts scene? Because most people remember this as like Keaton's one attempt to try to out-act Nicholson, or at least out-big Nicholson for like five seconds. Because it's completely out of step with everything else in the movie. And I, I love it years later, and people still make fun of it. What do you think his goal is in that scene? Not not Keaton's goal, Bruce's goal. I guess to get you. I don't know. I've not watched this movie 20 times, and I never really get what he's going for. He try, I guess he's thinking he's going to get shot because he's got the... He's got the serving plate under his shirt. But, yeah, I mean, it's kind of odd. But the that, like, and the smash is just like this this crazy scene out of nowhere that I've always enjoyed. Yeah, well, when I went back and rewatched that part today, like in my head, like he just like kid the Joker just kind of kidnaps Vicky from there, but he doesn't. He just shoots him and walks away. It's like, okay, what yeah, was this? Leaves her. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, what was the purpose of you coming here anyway? Like you didn't know that he was going to be there to shoot him. You want you want to scare her to like I don't know. I try and woo her keep I don't know what like what 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 he was thinking necessarily but I mean so yeah I don't know what Bruce is trying to do there um, I don't know what anyone's trying to accomplish other than the fact that it's a good scene Yeah I didn't think of it in terms of like him trying to like out outdo Jack necessarily I I, I god yeah I I don't have a good answer for you I I, I guess in, I, in terms of how it serves the plot, like he hears him say, have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? And so that's that's how he realizes this is the guy who killed his family. But like it's it's a stretch to get there. But like, <laughs> I guess, maybe, I, yeah, I, guess, I, mean, I don't I don't know. Maybe he's trying to I mean, maybe maybe he thought there'd be more of an maybe he I guess, like you said, well, no, he was protecting himself. I was wondering, like, maybe he thought there'd be some kind of opening to, like, take out the Joker right then and there. Uh, but it, maybe not if he was, like, assuming he was going to get shot anyway. So I don't really know. I mean, I, I get what you're saying, though. It's like, yeah, I can't give you a good explanation for it, but it's not a, it's not a bad scene. You know, it's no, still it's it's, entertaining. It's just like it's, it's just kind of like an odd, like, non sequitur or whatever, you know. But but um, now we have you want to get nuts. Let's get nuts. <laughs> 
yeah, so I, I don't know. Like I, I don't have a lot of other thoughts for you on this because that was like my big picture one. I don't particularly – I didn't particularly love – like I, I loved him. I mean I again, I loved every time he's dancing or whatever or do, with the Prince stuff. So I like the beginning of the parade, but like I would say like the last like 25 minutes of the movie didn't do a ton for me as far as like the quality of the action or anything like that. Once um, we get up into the to the church – yeah, no, I know. Again, I, I texted you as soon as I saw it. I got a kick out of like Batman throwing one of the henchmen down the bell tower because I was like, oh, Batman does murder because uh, we had a, a big hand ringing about that um, in uh, when Dawn of Justice came out. So I thought that was interesting, though. I didn't really like get a lot out of it beyond that. And He's, I think he kills more people in the Joker than this film. Yeah, probably that that I thought was odd because, I mean, you would know better than me, but I don't feel like. I don't know if comics fans were offended by that at the time or saw it as Batman as being too honorable to kill when it happened in 1989. But for some reason, they got really upset about Bat- Ben Affleck's Batman. I, I think it's one of those things where, like, you take what you can get. Um, so this is the first it's the first Batman movie since 66. It's the first attempt at actually making Batman look serious. So, like, you take anything you can get because, like, nowhere else in, in Batman lore is the Joker ever killed you know, Thomas and Martha Wayne. Right. So you just sort of take what you can get. You can figure it out later. And you're like, ah, Batman's killing some people, but let's not, let's not get too hung up on it. Whereas the Nolan pictures later on go out of their way to be like, no, this is, this is the correct representation of the character, which sort of makes the backlash to Zack Snyder probably as outsized as it was because like, okay, now we've, now you're deliberately making a choice. Yeah. Or, or you're at least ignoring what what feels more true to the character. And and Snyder would sit there and argue with you and be like, oh, I'm doing this for reasons. And he, he's not. Uh, yeah, that, may, that, no, that, that that all makes sense, I guess. I That yeah. was just like one thing I found noteworthy, though. It didn't actually it, well, the first, for some reason, the first time I watched it, it felt like that, that, that whole last sequence from the moment the parade starts to the very end. It just felt a little more long and drawn out than I even thought it did on the second watch for some reason it just kind of it, 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 it i don't know it, it felt a little slow at parts but i mean I, overall like i again I, I still i still enjoyed what the movie accomplished overall i don't have a ton of other i don't really have a ton of other thoughts for you um i do want to stay with that though for a second because i think yeah. it's important especially as you go back and, and you watch some of this stuff and you ask questions like that you'd be like well why why was this acceptable in 1989 and not acceptable in 20 20- 15 or whenever dawn of justice came out well, um, cancel culture has gotten out of hand that's what i'm that, doing that's that's one explanation <laughs> they just wanted to cancel batman be, <laughs> the other would be that chris nolan really bailed out these four films right because mm. when you do something that gets so close to being like the definitive representation of the character and and multiple characters then everything that came before it is significantly less important, okay? So as we get more of this stuff, it all is individually less significant because now they're just different takes on the characters. So now if Tim Burton really screws something up, I don't have to be mad at Tim Burton anymore because now it's like, oh, what would a Tim Burton Batman movie look like? Well, I have two of those now. And it doesn't feel like, oh, he ruined Batman in a very specific way or like, I don't have to be hung up on what happened to Batman versus Robin because ultimately eight years later it led to Batman Begins, right? So now if I just want to watch a weird, neon, campy Joel Schumacher film, I have that too. So like Nolan really bailed out everything else because now like even if the Batman ends up being bad, I'll be really disappointed because I expect it to be good. It looks good. I would love for it to be good. But like I have all this other stuff. 
Mm-hmm. So now at least it's all just unique and enjoyable in its own way, and it takes a way less import. No, yeah, th- 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 that makes sense. I guess the stakes are. I don't know. I mean, stuff stuff gets hype, but yeah, I, I can see what you're saying as far as like as far as stakes go. So, and I, I'm sure. I, and I, I, one one thing I'll do because I I had a busy week at work, so I, I I probably didn't. Maybe I'll go back and do some like internet digging, like you were talking about earlier, because I'll I'll be curious to see what I can find about like how they reacted to some of these other ones in the '90s that were just uh, maybe not received as well as this one, and kind of see how people were reacting at that time. Because uh, I'm sure that'd be interesting to kind of compare for like how how the stuff has been received that that's come out since I've been of of movie movie going age. Because um, I mean I, I've seen I've seen everything since you know Nolan on in theaters. Um, so I know we we usually do recommendations at the end. I'm not I'm not sure. We don't, how we, we, don't, we don't we don't do that now because I don't right. know when this is airing. But but I what I do think is I want to follow up what you just said because every one of these four films. As a direct, and, and of course it would. Your your sequel is always going to be influenced by what came before. But there's there's four very hard turning points mm. in this series of films. So Batman '89 is an overwhelming success that goes into Batman Returns, which gets Tim Burton fired. Hmm. Okay, um, and we'll, we'll get into that more when we do Returns. But like McDonald's literally turned around and was like, I can't believe you let us market Happy Meals to kids off this movie, and Tim <laughs> Burton gets fired. Um, which leads to a very different film from Joel Schumacher, uh, which is once again a, a big success that turns into Batman and Robin, which nearly killed Batman. So, like, there's these really hard pivot points in these four movies over a span of eight years. Um, and, and I think a good way to do that as you're watching this, Josh, for you and for anybody else who's listening to this, there's a YouTube series called Shadow of the Bat, which I believe was originally uh, like DVD extras um, that's now been uploaded to YouTube and it's in six parts. Um, and it sort of tracks in maybe half hour installments, the progress of these four films and sort of like just gives you behind the scenes looks at like how this, how these different things happened. Mm. Um, and it's a really fascinating study in just how a franchise like this gets made at that very particular moment in time given the kind of roller coaster ride that these four movies end up being tonally. So is there like a, is there like a, a bit of an explanation of like, uh, and maybe it's a well-known story that I just don't know, but like, so it, it's, it's, they, they have different Batmans for the Schumacher ones, right? It goes so through, you have Val Kilmer and George Clooney. Yeah. Right. Is there, is there, is there a bit of a story behind that, that I just, it gets explained in that documentary or something like that? Or so Schumacher, I, I, I don't want to speak, Completely out of turn here. I, I believe Keaton didn't want to come back because he didn't want to do it without Burton. Oh. They recast, they get Kilmer. There's a falling out between Schumacher and Kilmer, and then they wind up with Clooney on short notice. Okay, so some kind of falling out. Okay, because I, 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 I didn't have that straight in my head until you just explained it over these last few minutes. That like It went from like a good movie to a bad movie, from a good movie to a bad movie, basically. And I yes. was like, wait, wait, so if that one's good, why is there a new Batman? So I, I'm sure there's some maybe an interesting story behind that, so I'm curious. I'll, I'll definitely make it a point to go like watch that. You said and Returns on... is not a bad movie. I think that's the important thing here. Returns oh. is an it's a weird movie. Oh, uh, okay. So just uh, it went against expectations too much. It was way too much, especially yeah. for a franchise in 1992. Um, uh-huh. It is it is a left turn, and like like I said earlier, it's not a Batman movie. It's a Tim Burton movie with Batman characters in it, and it is strange. <laughs> uh, um, 
And it's That's strange right. enough well, that he's not invited back. Well, I'm, I'm, well, now I'm more excited to watch it because the way before I was just assuming like he got fired because it was bad. So no, it's, I, it's, I, I, a, I, it's an art house film. Okay, I wasn't looking forward to watching it as much, and now now I am. So this will be the Returns will might be very well be the one you end up liking the most because it is the weirdest. Okay, well that's a good tease. So uh, <laughs> I'm sure I'll, I'm gonna try and get to it at some point in in the next well month. But I mean again, this will these I'll probably try and air these all like w- whenever we end up doing them close together. So I gotta stop talking in uh, periods of time because who knows when I'm putting this out. And because of that, I don't know like what's gonna be. Uh, super relevant, so I'm not going to ask you to make other recommendations because uh, you did that on a more timely podcast we just recorded before we did this one. So, yeah, I, I, well, I think you did, did you did just give us a recommendation. So you said it's behind the bat, shadow of the bat, I believe. Sorry, is what it's called Sh- on shadow of the bat. You, you, it's on YouTube. Yes, uh, like I said, I think it's in six parts, and it's it's a lot of um, it's it's just your basic like behind the scenes documentary. So it's a lot of interviews with the actors themselves. The thing you'll notice about Jack in here, and this goes back to the conversation you and I had earlier, is what an affinity he has for the character to the point where uh, when when Ledger got cast in probably 2006, whenever it was, like Jack was actually like low key offended that like they didn't call him to be like, do you want to do the Joker again? Really? Um, yes. And he's, he's like kind of on the record about that. Um, but he loved the character. And so like at no point did he think this was like below him. In fact, I believe the way he describes it in that documentary is the reason he loves it so much is because he can be as big and as crazy and as manic as he wants to be. And he has a built in excuse because that's the character. So like it really fit what he always wanted to do anyway. And he just finally had his greatest excuse to be as kind of weird as he wanted to be. That's interesting that like, because in 2006 is like when The Departed came out, which is like a lot of people don't think that highly of his performance. (laughs) Right. A lot of people don't think too highly of his performance then. He's only made two movies since then and hasn't been in anything since 2010. So it's like he was like very much on the tail end there. So, I mean, I think uh, we probably dodged a bullet there unless the unless playing the Joker again would have like kind of like awoken something in him. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but I, I, but I'm curious. I did, I did, I did not know that documentary exists at all. It seems like a good companion piece for anyone that like is even more familiar with these movies than I am, but like just wants to learn a little more about them. So, uh, appreciate you telling us about that. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening again. We'll, well, I guess we'll do like we are going to try and do one of each of these and who knows, it might be coming out in like a week. I don't know how I'm putting these out, but I, I want to try and kind of cover this era of Batman that is not as, not as well trod of territory as the, uh, as the Nolan stuff is, which I mean, everyone our age has seen those movies. So that's why I thought this would be a cool exercise. I appreciate Nick taking the time to join us. So, uh, Nick, thanks as always. And to everyone else, we'll see you next time. Long live Bob the Goon.